Welcome to episode 11 of the Flashpoint Podcast. My name is Owen Higgins, your host, as always. You can find our print edition uh, at my newsletter. That's owenhiggins.substack.com, E-O-I-N-H-I-G-G-I-N-S.substack.com. It's Monday, January 10th, and we are going to talk about Yellow Jackets again. Um... This is our second episode, our first about Yellow Jackets. Our first one featured Maya Kosov and Tanvin Misra. And we kind of went through what we liked about the show and some of our theories. That was uh, after episode eight. <clears throat> this is after episode nine, which was a little more intense, a little more uh, of an episode that answers some questions. And to break it down and to talk about the use of psychedelics in the show and and possibly uh, the use of psychedelics in other fiction as well, uh, I'm joined by Karen Geyer, a writer and content strategist from Toronto and a longtime online friend of mine. Uh, Karen, thank you so much for joining us. I think you're still muted there. Sorry. Hello. I would think I was pressing the thumbs up instead. (laughs) No worries. Very excited to be here. Thank you. Cool. (laughs) That's what all the thumbs up were for. Yeah. So um, I know that you, I think you got into Yellow Jackets kind of recently. I remember urging you to watch it. Um, I think you kind of just binged a bunch of the episodes all at once, right? Yeah, I did. So just like Maya, I I saved mine for the holidays. And um, I didn't originally, like, want to get into it because the description that I had seen made it sound sort of like... Did, have you seen Mare of Easttown? Yeah. Yeah, I thought you did. Okay, so, <laughs> you know, there's that whole thing about, like, the high school team and all that stuff. And I was like, oh, this sounds like it's going to be kind of a bummer. And then someone else said it was gory. So I was like, bummer plus gory. Like, do I want to watch this? Like, probably not. So then it wasn't until I was listening to Sexy Unique Podcast um, with Laura Marie Shane Halls and uh, Carrie O'Donnell. And they were talking about it. And the way that they were describing it sounded more like something I wanted to watch. So I was like, okay, I got to check this out. So I started checking it out over Christmas. And I did have one day where I just sort of like loafed in bed and watched a ton of episodes and ordered pizza and that was it so it was great yeah yeah it's definitely um i kind of i kind of wish that i had been able i've been watching it like every week and it's been excruciating i i I, yeah that's i was worried about that too like when with certain shows like that you there the excruciation factor is too much Yeah. Yeah. Well, you're just, you know, you're just like waiting to see like what's going to happen. And like, there are all these theories the the, the Reddit message boards have just like exploded with this thing. <laughs> you know, it's, I haven't seen like a reaction to a show like this since I don't know, like Westworld or lost. It's been, people have been just are really into like theorizing about it and talking about the mysteries and stuff, which is, which is really cool, I think. And, and fun. Um, I joined, you know, I joined the Yellow Jackets subreddit, like, I think in November, and there was, like, maybe a thousand people, and now there's, like, 22,000. Oh, and my it goes, God. It goes up, like, a thousand, like, every day. It's, it's, it's pretty crazy. Just kind of, ex- it, I, I think a lot of people probably watched it over the holidays and kind of 
really got into it because it, it feels like it it was just all of a sudden it was everywhere. Yes. You know? Yeah. And so I have dipped my toe into the Reddit situation. Um, that was like as an extension of I started Googling like uh, Yellow Jackets Adam theories and then. I got sent to the Reddit more than a few times and I was like, okay, well maybe I'll look up some things on here. I, I mean, I, I, I respect and love Reddit for a lot of things, but the user experience when you're trying to read stuff like that, like just drives my brain crazy. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, we have to limit our time in here, but I understand why people have blown like hours and hours on it for sure. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, I haven't, you know, I hadn't used, I hadn't used Reddit for like a year or something like, or even, probably even more than that, maybe a couple of years before this. And I, I really only use it for things like this, like every once in a while, some topic will uh, really grab my attention that's not being discussed anywhere else except for there. And then I'll just go to the message boards. This is, this has been one of them. Um, so if you're listening to this and uh, you're not up to date, we're going to be discussing some things from the most recent episodes. So just so you're aware of that spoilers on all of that kind of stuff. So um, I wanted to say that because I just wanted to jump right into it and say, now that we've seen what's up with Adam, do you think that there's anything else to know there? Or do you think that's it? Oh my gosh, I'm going to cough. <laughs> Excuse me. I mean, I think people still want to know like what his motivation was. I think it's not entirely clear unless I missed something in the episode. Um, so yeah, I think that there isn't a lot of closure. There's closure in the one way in that <laughs> he punched a one way ticket, but <laughs> it's, um, you know, there's, I think there's still lots to be unraveled there because like, why does he have that weird tattoo? Um, what, like how did he know, um, did he know, the lore behind the yellow jackets before he started hooking up with uh, Shauna. Like how did this all come to be? Right. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. There's a, there's still some stuff to be known. I, I said this last episode and it's still, he's, he's so identified with this queen of the South character to me. Um, and if, and if, if you've watched that, have you watched that show? I haven't, but my best friend watches that show. It's, it's a, absolutely amazingly beautiful soap opera it's like total trash it's awesome uh and he he plays you know kind of the male lead in it uh and he's and he's great uh but he really is identified he he's not much different than he is in this show like right. his his delivery he's a good actor but his delivery is kind of the same in both so uh but anyway um Let's talk about the the tripping scene because I think that that's that's gonna kind of be the be the majority of this. Um, yeah. So I I guess the first thing for me is: Do you think that when Mari says you were holding out on this, is she referring to the mushrooms as drugs or as food? Oh, good question. I mean probably just as food because like I don't know I when you were in high school did you have a lot of experience with mushrooms like was it like a thing uh yes and we'll get into that okay sure. yeah because <laughs> no, I think like for like where they they are like middle America like 
upper middle class high school, like would mushrooms be more of a thing or would these be like Adderall pillhead kids? I feel, I, I think in the nineties, <laughs> it, it being in the like mid nineties and they're from New Jersey. I mean, I think that they would probably know what it is. I mean, uh, Nat is on acid in the first one, which was definitely like yeah. there was a lot of acid in high school for sure. Yeah, not necessarily like would they know what it is that's on site, but is it like a thing that you would have experience using and be comfortable putting into everyone else's food, I guess, is where I'm coming from with that. But yeah, so I I think I originally read it as you were holding out on us like drugs because their whole thing was like, hey, like, uh, you know, alcohol, like might as well have a party. That was sort of the thread that it was riding in on, but I don't know. It could have just been like food because they are really down bad when it comes to the food. So, yeah, yeah, and they haven't um, gone for other sources of protein yet. That's that's coming. So, um, yeah, that's I, that. That was a question I asked. That question on the Reddit thread for this show, and uh, people seemed pretty divided on that. Yeah, I, I can see why for sure. Yeah. So, so they take the drugs, they take the drugs stew, uh, yeah. everyone except for Jackie, obviously, who, who, uh, seems to like not want to eat for some reason. I'm mm-hmm. not really clear on that either. Yeah. It's, I, I was wondering if maybe I missed something, but I'm glad to hear you say that. Cause I was like, yeah, this doesn't really explain why all of a sudden she's not eating and like nobody wants to eat grubs, but also you probably don't want to die from starvation either. So. (laughs) Yeah, I think, I mean, they are doing like a really good job of, you know, portraying her as a, as, as someone who's, I, I think that they're, I'm trying to like gather my thoughts. I think that they're doing a really good job of portraying her as somebody who is kind of, disassociating a little bit from being out there like the stuff that she says but like you know if you if you weren't in this dire situation you would be upset to find out you know that you were betrayed by your friend but it wouldn't like fundamentally shake your worldview like that i don't think yeah you know yeah maybe there's a simpler explanation maybe it's just like down to them signaling visually that she is trying to have control over her environment because a lot of times you know disordered eating is about control and it's about like this is the one thing that i can control that you can't force me to do i don't know (laughs) so yeah no that's yeah no that's a good point too i mean i i do think that the writers uh have done a really good job of characterizing of, of, of making, of making character motivations and things that they do be explicable in ways that make sense outside of any kind of need for a supernatural element or anything, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. like even uh, Lottie's behavior and, and, we should talk about this later as we get more into the tripping, but Lottie's behavior throughout the whole thing has been, I think they've done a really, really good job of balancing between like, this could be one, this could be one or the other. Yeah. You know, there's no, there's no way to kind of explain and, and everybody's, everybody's interpretation of it 
as you're as as you're watching you the viewer but you're watching everybody else's interpretation of what's happening things things are starting to get untethered from reality but they they also are starving to death and mm-hmm. and they're in the middle of the wilderness and 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 they're out you know and they may be elite athletes and they may be really motivated people but they're also teenage girls yeah you know so their their interpretation of what's going on is not going to be the most uh rational anyway because they're kids yeah and it's not like informed by years of you know dealing with various interpersonal traumas and stuff it's like it's a more immediate between a and b situation right yeah and they do i think they do a good job in the beginning like the first episode of like showing you that these are not people who are in 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 general i think maybe van might be the kind of sort of the exception but they're not they're not coming from like a, a place of self self-sufficiency right they haven't been by themselves right. they've been living with their families so obviously this is a this is a, a, a new situation yeah um, and in Lottie's case for sure she's like been cared for her entire life like that scene where she's like sitting at the breakfast table like everything is catered for her and like we're supposed to focus on like her taking the drugs and stuff but i think like the other thing is that like there are no parents at that table there's it's not a communal eating situation everything is made to spec and it's done really well but it's not like meant to be like a nurturing situation (laughs) yeah i mean i like i will say like when i first watched that scene uh like the fact that she was taking meds like went right over my head like it was it was just the situation that she was in that her parents weren't there that she was being cared for by like a maid came in and like gave her food and and her medicine and then left like that was like that was the thing that stuck out to me not that she was taking meds it wasn't until i was like looking at the reddit board that Mm -hmm. i saw even what those meds were and then i realized i was like okay so that's why that's why they're showing you now but right you know um so yeah so so they're all starving and they decide that they're going to, you know, have one, one last party and blow out. And they, they, uh, take some, uh, plot conveniently fermented berries and, uh, the mushrooms. And yeah. So let's just talk about like what, what we thought about the tripping scenes um yeah so first of all like god bless anybody who wants to try it but i have never had much success with mixing alcohol and mushrooms or alcohol and lsd always just gives me an instant cracker of a headache (laughs) so i was very jealous that they had so much enjoyment out of that (laughs) yeah yeah definitely um let's i'm 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 gonna let george jump in here real quick and then we'll and then we'll get back to it should be set there Hey, yeah, no, Karen, go ahead and keep talking. I'll I'll jump in in a bit here. What? Oh, okay. Um, yeah. So then, I guess the other thing was, uh, you know, the thing when you're de- dealing with psychedelics is about set and setting. So when you're taking it, you're supposed to be with people that you know either are going to be supportive of your trip, meaning like a trip sitter or people who are also tripping. That you know, it's going to be a nice communal situation for you. Obviously, everybody here was dosed um, mostly against their knowledge, so not optimal. And obviously, the setting that they're in is kind of yeah. I mean, it's not. It's it's definitely not. A 
a good setting. Did you just drop out there? I feel like Karen just dropped out. Yeah, I, I think she was onto something there, though, with the um, set and setting. I mean, I, the, the I, I never really experimented with psychedelics in high school, but I had a lot of friends that did. Yeah, there's every single story that was bad that came out of that was avoidable by being in a different space when they were experimenting <laughs> with that. Like yeah. every single one. Um, I mean, maybe occasionally people would like not react well to, to like dried mushrooms or whatever, and their stomachs would be messed up from that. But other than that, it was like, you know, just don't do this sort of stuff if you're not in, this, in the headspace for it and with the people and in the environment for it. And, you know, crashed on a mountainside with like a bunch of people who are increasingly desperate, increasingly hungry, increasingly insecure. Um, not the place for it. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously, if you're going to mix that, <laughs> if you're going to do this yourself, don't do most of the things that they did. <laughs> and yeah. also, yeah. <laughs> well, I was just, I, I, I just want to interrupt just for one second and just, just so you could just let us know, like, your background in psychedelics. Oh, yeah. I think that's important. I, we skipped right over that, and I'm sorry for that. No, no, no. That's okay. So, yeah. So, um, I. I mean, I had like a very typical introduction to them, which was like at like bush parties when I was in high school and whatever, and sort of had mixed results for all the reasons that George mentioned <laughs> and that we saw in the show. Um, and so I was never a huge fan. Um, then what happened was um, a few years ago, I decided to try um, try mushrooms for uh, depression and anxiety. I suffer from generalized anxiety disorder. So I got back into it through that had really great results um and then i've since done some other things including i took the most powerful psychedelic known to man which is called 5-meo-dmt i would not recommend that to most people on this call because it is um a drug designed to deliver exactly one result which is you have a near-death experience and that can be really frightening for a lot of people and so <laughs> I can't in good conscience be like, you should try it because I don't know you and it may freak you out for the rest of your life. <laughs> so, but that experience was really wonderful for me. Um, and it helped later on when I was dealing with some other things. Um, you know, I, during the pandemic, I had to treat my dog for cancer and it was terminal cancer. So there was also some macro dosing that happened, particularly on the day that they told me and then on the day that he died. And it really helped me get through um, some of those really rough emotional spots, which were also underpinned by all the other crap that everybody was going through during the pandemic. So big fan of psychedelics. Yeah. Just so, I, you know, I haven't done psychedelics in a really long time, but what do you think it is about how, how they function for you personally that, that has, has been so helpful? Um, because obviously, you know, we're talking about this show and we're going to talk more about the, the, the on-screen freak out and we're going to talk about psychedelics and fiction, but I am just kind of curious as to, as, as to what it is, if, if, if there's a way for you to kind of describe it how how it's been helpful for you yeah so when i heard microdose for anxiety it really helps um to bring that down just as a baseline and it also helps me with motivation because one of the things when you have generalized anxiety is you get emotional where 
there's certain things that you want to do, but then you have all these things going on in your head that make you say like, oh, but here's why I shouldn't do that. So that's been a great help. But then also like the macro dosing helped so much um, with grief um, and with like, you know, the, you know, so I by accident was on, um, I was on LSD the day that my dog died. So he was like, (laughs) he was still like running around and like acting as spry as he could be considering he had been on chemo for six and a half months. Um, so there was no indication that, oh my gosh, you know, today's the day or that like he was in such decline or whatever. And I was on LSD because I was taking it to help, uh, improve my mood. And then he died very suddenly of a heart attack. So I was literally on LSD when I was like, you know, picking him up and putting him in the carrier and taking him to the vet's office so they could cremate him and all that stuff. And I would not have it any other way (laughs) because looking back, like, even though it was the most fucked up, like you could do like, you know, um, like a, like a weird movie about like how that experience went down. But honestly, it, it changed my brain chemistry into a way where I can talk about it right now. And I'm not going to cry about it. I'm dispassionate about it, but I still know that it was important and that it hurt, but I'm, it's not killing me to have this discussion about it. So for me, it's been really life giving and life affirming. Absolutely. I mean, I, I would say that my personal experience with, with psychedelics and, especially LSD. And this was back when I was in high school, when I was a teenager, um, you know, I had a lot of like insecurity and uh, depression and, and, and that kind of, you know, just, just, you know, kid brain stuff. And well, I mean, that's the way that I refer to it because I started taking acid and I was able to, I, I just, it, it made me think of this because you said rewrite the brain, brain chemistry. And like, that's exactly what I did. Like inside of my head while I was tripping, I was aware that that's what I was doing. I was like rewriting how my brain was processing things. Mm-hmm. And yeah. yeah, it was like a really intense and cool experience to have <laughs> as a kid to like figure out that you can actually. Yeah. That, that that these feelings and these ideas are not like that's not you know the end of the world like you're able to actually get through it yeah uh, and and I felt it I found it like really empowering that is for sure uh, very empowering and that's awesome that you found it at that age and that you were able to you know incorporate it into your life that's awesome yeah at, at a certain point probably like in my late teens early twenties. You know, I was I was I was going to raves a lot and taking a lot of LSD, and that was kind. Of, I, I remember at one point a friend of mine and I were like sitting outside of at, in the smoking area at at one show, and we were uh, we were like, yeah, this is we're gonna have to stop this for a little while. Our, our, <laughs> this is we've been taking a little too much, um, but but it was it wasn't for a reason. We didn't freak out or anything. It wasn't like it wasn't a bad trip. It was just we were like, this is we've, uh, you know, we're, we're not able to have a conversation right now, you know. So mm-hmm. it, yeah. Um, Something I will say though, like 
sometimes people ask like, what's the difference or whatever between mushrooms and um, LSD, at least for me and my experience, I know that other people have backed this up. Um, I personally didn't do mushrooms for most of the, the COVID lockdowns and stuff because it, for me, it is a much more emotional high than LSD. LSD is more dispassionate. So if you're looking between the two, for what is a recommended uh, one to try. Usually it's whatever you can get your hands on. I understand that. But um, if you have to choose between the two, I would say for now, if you feel like you're in a real tender situation, maybe skip the mushrooms. And that that's what's also funny about the episode is that everybody on this godforsaken island is in a very tender situation, to put it mildly. So maybe. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I, you know, when I when I was watching this, um, especially as they, as the mushrooms started to hit and I, like, I always found mushrooms to be a, of shorter duration, but a much more intense and much yeah. more just, uh, I, it's hard to put into words, but just the feeling that I had while I was watching them freak out was the feeling that I always had when I was on mushrooms, even though it wasn't like a negative experience, but it was just always like a lot. Mm -hmm. um, and I thought that they did uh, the cinematography and the acting and the writing, mm -hmm. um, especially in the beginning was really, really, really good uh, yeah. for, for how that feels and yeah. And especially like the feeling of being like more fucked up than you're ready to be. Yes. You know? And then, <laughs> I and, yeah, right, I think they definitely demonstrated the drop with, I call it that anyways, which is like, after you take it, the time that it takes for it to kick in, there's one point where you're like, oh, this is happening. And, <laughs> um, it's hard to describe to somebody who's new at it, like what that feeling is, but it's, you know, it, it's like pornography, you know, it when you see it, like <laughs> it's, you have, it's just a feeling. And like, they really showed off how the drop sort of came onto these people rather like, you know, in a, in a short period of time, but in like a sort of a, a really sneaky way. And that, that is how it can be, especially with mushrooms, because you can take mushrooms and you can have it kick in within 15 minutes and you can have it not kick in for 45 minutes. It's really depends on how you take it. <laughs> and so that has been my experience at least. And <laughs> yeah, you know, so the, go ahead. No, go ahead. Go ahead. So the classic thing of like, Oh, these edibles ain't shit. Like, imagine that but you don't have control over what you're seeing or or your sensations are <laughs> so it's different <laughs> yeah i thought the scene between uh coach scott and nat when um you know he's like talking to her and then he's just like what the fuck like yeah. that was like perfect like because that is exactly how it can be you yeah. know you're just you, it all of a sudden you're just wait i can't my things are not making sense here um and i really liked as well that you know they didn't they didn't mess with the visuals too much they just mm -hmm. made things shimmer a little bit which is kind yeah. of yeah that is one thing that like I, there is a documentary on psychedelics that's on netflix and it's with a bunch of comedians in it and steve ag i believe it is um 
he he says like you know like a lot of movies get that all wrong and what it is mostly is like the carpet moves a little bit or like um for me one of the, my memories is god remember when you could do this i went to a diner once i was on lsd a microdose of lsd i was with my mother and she was sitting backed up against this really loud banquette and i was like oh my god i gotta get out of here <laughs> like the entire time i was eating my pancakes because it was just the pattern was too loud for me and like it wasn't a case of like the pattern turned into dragons that were gonna eat my face or whatever it was just like there was too much information going into my brain about this pattern and it was just it hurt <laughs> yeah yeah i think i think the, like the most intense visuals i used to get were kind of like patterns like that that would be kind of moving around especially mm -hmm. in like uh just like lines kind of like the like that old video game snake yeah kind of like stuff like that and then if you close your eyes obviously you can see more yeah intense stuff because it's your imagination um but yeah i thought that you know i thought that that was really good and and the way that everybody's just kind of uh just kind of flopping around uh mm -hmm. there yeah on mushrooms i don't ever want to talk to people but on LSD, I can, like, walk around, talk, do whatever. I'm much more functional. But, yeah, like, for mushrooms, usually I would just want to, like, lie in the grass, you know, whatever. Take the yeah. dog for a walk in a really familiar place. <laughs> like, something where it's, like, a controlled environment. I definitely wouldn't want to do it in a forest like that where there's, like, all kinds of d natural dangers and, like, a house that's rickety ass with, like, probably nails coming up out of the boards and everything else. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you want, like, you want, like, soft surroundings. And yes. acid is, like, kind of, and, and you're right, like, acid's more of a, more of, like, an intellectual high or kind of, like, I don't know, it's, it's more crisp. Mm -hmm. like, if if that makes sense um, yeah you can still do things on it like if you've been on it more than once you know like how, what your limit is and like I please don't drive a car or anything obviously that's not what I'm saying <laughs> like if you have to like have a discussion with somebody at Starbucks you're gonna be okay <laughs> yeah yeah you're gonna be able to function like that's not yeah, it, yeah exactly <laughs> um so okay so that's like the beginning of it. And I think that it, pretty much everybody I've talked to and, you know, I'm including like the subreddit here kind of all agrees on this. Um, but I think where the division comes is what happens after when they all start kind of freaking out and, mm -hmm. and things get there. There's like a kind like a collective bloodlust or no it's not even that like they're just kind of moving like a pack i yeah. guess and that is not something that is i think inaccurate either i don't think that that is an inaccurate thing because i've definitely tripped out with with big groups of people and that you know it, it can happen a lot that you know one person can kind of take a leadership role and and kind of bring everybody else with them yeah. um yeah so i was but i was interested like what you thought about how they handled Lottie, a character who they've already kind of established as 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 having like serious struggles right now and having her kind of take over and what you thought about that. Yeah, so I, 
it's interesting because like i think that there are certain ways that they portray her mental illness um you know as like in a, in a nice and an interesting way. Um, and then I think that with this, or like when they had the seance, I'm like, okay, ooh, I, I get a little bit ooky about that because I'm like, I don't know if we want to necessarily be telling people that, you know, when teenagers have mental illness, that means that they're witches or whatever. <laughs> like, I think like it kind of, I'm like, okay. Um, or like that they're capable of getting everybody like, dialed up to like killing somebody or whatever I don't know it just I but I think with her I think that she I think that she has this um sort of want like the other girls do to like be part of the group and be important and and be a service to people but the way that she is experiencing that instead of being like these are my skills her way is like oh well I already know the way or I already know what's going to happen (laughs) um and that's where it's dangerous is that if you are under the influence of two drugs at the same time and like god knows what is actually happening because you know there's (laughs) there's ethanol and methanol right and one of them is why we have the term moonshine and the other one is, is why we have, you know, Smirnoff vodka. Um, so, um, you know, I, I, where am I going with this? <laughs> it's hard to, it's hard to accurately describe this, but like, do I think that it's possible that people can be drawn into like a mass hysteria situation? A hundred percent. Do I think that that's more possible on drugs? I'm not so convinced on that because I think with drugs, it's things aren't going in, in a logical way or, in, or they're not even going in, in the way that they're being expressed <laughs> sometimes. So it's like, I don't know if you were already thinking about like, you know, um, something that was happy you probably wouldn't be able to like get to a place of we must kill this stag i don't know that's how i feel about it right so uh so i'll definitely say you know first of all that uh lottie's my favorite character uh by far i think that she's the most interesting one and mm-hmm. uh i think courtney eaton uh the actor who's portraying her is doing i think uh, kind of like pull away for a sec from the psychedelics and like talk about the show a little bit. Like I, I really, I really like, um, like good supporting actors. Mm-hmm. And I think that Courtney Eaton is somebody who, you know, appears to have like the talent, like the talent to be able to like carry a show and to be able to be a lead. But, mm-hmm. uh, as, as this kind of second, second lead, or, you know, uh, supporting supporting role has just been fantastic. And I think the character, again, is just really, really fascinating. Um, so having said that, uh, the, the way that they've kind of built her journey, uh, you know, from kind of one of the quieter characters to, to taking on this assertive role, I was... I was sold. I mean, like, I like, I, like, I bought it. I bought that um, that she could convince them to join this kind of mass hysteria. Um, mm-hmm. I think that there's, you know, because when I was watching it, like, I was thinking of it that way, and also thinking of them, you know, having been 
out in the woods for so long and you know weeks months at this point maybe and like yeah you know so hungry and and just and you know like malnourished and they're uh on drugs that they don't really understand that they're you know they didn't understand that they were on them and now maybe they do but you know don't even know uh you know don't even know like you know maybe the level of like how much they took and like they don't know what their dosage is anyway there's Mm -hmm. like all these different factors in there and so i think that it's believable that she could convince them and then of course but there's also the idea of is this a supernatural thing that's going on in which case all that stuff is kind of out the window you know you're just making yourself maybe the idea is by taking the drugs you're making yourself more susceptible uh to to this kind of mass hysteria but you know, like a, a couple of them separately say something's coming, something's coming out of the ground, uh, and and they and they do make a real point of showing you that they're not talking to each other, that they're saying it individually. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, I I prefer to think of this show as as not being supernatural. I'm not going to be like angry if it ends up to have a supernatural element to it, but yeah. I do like to think of it as just being like this is just what's happening because they you know, that they're stuck out in the middle of the Ontario wilderness, which, you know, I, I like looked up, uh, as I started to watch this and, you know, there's a lot of wilderness up there. I mean, you live in Ontario, right? I do. I live in Ontario. And uh, the thing that people don't realize about Canada is that about 90 to 95% of our population lives within a 200 kilometer strip of the U S border. So, a lot of our northern uh, areas are very sparsely populated indeed. So <laughs> there is like cottage country that's like north of here by like three, well, two to five hours, depending on where you go. And then once you get above that, it really starts to peter out from, from like a population perspective. Yeah, I was like, it, it, <laughs> I think, I think it, on Wikipedia it said like something like 700,000 people total live in this uh northern ontario region which is like yeah. uh yeah. i mean ge- geographically like for the space is just yeah so much more massive mm-hmm. than than ontario uh, than uh toronto and ottawa and 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 along the lake there and along the border like you were saying yeah. um see maybe it's my bias as a as a british columbian by birth and being raised out there but i thought they were in british columbia so <laughs> i don't know well, that's I don't what they it. Yeah, I just, I just like the 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 topography and the forest oh, yeah. is all like very evocative of the place that I grew up in. And oh, it's for been, sure. That's been an underrated cat. The like, nice thing about the show is like, oh, it's this is like this is like Nelson. This is like the coot. Yeah, I have family out in BC, and that's what. Um. So yeah. So. Uh, Sorry about that. <laughs> no, you're good. Go ahead. Go ahead. Was here. <laughs> um, yeah. So I, uh, you know, it, it, it's, um, so yeah, I mean, it definitely to Canadians, it looks more like BC than it does like Ontario. I'm going to be really frank with you. <laughs> no, I mean, I, I, I lived in the Pacific Northwest for like five years. And so it's, it's very, that's uh, from, I think like Northern Oregon, up to BC, probably up to Alaska. It has a very like distinctive 
look that doesn't look like anywhere else. Yeah. Um, and so a lot of films and a lot of TV shows are filmed in Vancouver, BC area. Mm-hmm. And once you start seeing it, you you just see it all the time. Yeah. Uh, well, that's very similar to literally where I live. I live downtown Toronto and a lot of stuff for Marvel is shot around here. Yep. Yeah, a lot of a lot of like uh New York City will be will be Toronto. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. so it's like, but you you cannot unsee it. Like you're like, oh, I know exactly where that is. That's, you know, ten minutes from my house or whatever. So it's like I can remember the the remake of Total, not Total Recall. What's the Arnold Schwarzenegger movie where um, there there are clones? Um, I can't remember, but it. I can remember like the bad guys' big headquarters is the really um, gorgeous architecture of the Vancouver Public Library. It's this. It's sort of like the Coliseum or whatever, and it blows up at one point. And are there you know gun battles in there and the whole thing at one point? And I can remember being about like I don't know ten years old and being like, wait, that's the library <laughs> and. The so the Canadian film industry, like the 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 stuff they do up there, is is always nice. Is like a you know growing up there and like being reminded of stuff. It's great. And it's it, like, it, like old home week for you guys when you're watching it. Yeah. Whenever Jeb asks me to to do um, a Hallmark show for his podcast, I'm always like, oh my god, because <laughs> they're always like, oh, this is like you know northern carolina or north carolina or whatever and you're like no it is not <laughs> that is bc <laughs> yeah yeah um okay but uh let's uh i i totally derailed us that was me um but let's get back to them tripping in the woods um and i think that i i guess i'm just kind of curious as to your take and any any one of you guys who are who are listening feel free to, to jump in as well if you want to if you want to get in the call queue like for sure um but just you know the general idea of how they kind of become a bloodthirsty mob to the point that they are assaulting and about to sever the neck of Travis who they are hallucinating as a deer somehow, which was that, that as far as like the tripping part uh, for reasons that, that Karen already detailed was to me the most unbelievable because I've, I've never, I've never seen something like that. And it didn't look like it was enough for them to see that. But, but I don't, you know, I don't know. I mean, maybe, maybe some people react differently to it, but that that level of hallucination was a little much. Yeah, like, I, and, you know, the stuff that makes you really, like, hella hallucinate, like DMT, generally speaking, doesn't put you in that mindset either. It doesn't put you in, like, a violent mindset. You might have horrors that you're seeing, but it's not like, oh, my God, now I have to go do something, <laughs> right? Right. Um, so, so what did you think, Karen, about, um, and Ryan, I see you in the queue, and we'll, we'll We'll, we'll take you in a second here. Um, but what do you think, Karen, about how about how like they kind of, like that moment of conflict happened at the end where they separated Travis from from the rest of them and and uh, and it looked like we're kind of breaking them into two camps. 
Yeah. It, it sounds it, like you, you think that the, 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 the violence part was a little unrealistic from the psychedelic aspect. And I'm, I'm curious, yeah. how do you think that, I mean, do you think, I mean, you're obviously not saying that it's impossible that, that, that people would react this way, but, but it sounds like you're saying that it's unlikely. And I'm just curious yeah. if you could expand on that a little bit. I think it's unlikely because I think generally speaking, the emotional stuff that, that uh, psychedelics work on it, you know, mushrooms for sure. It's like they very much work on your emotions and empathy and all of that stuff. So you would have to really get to a place where you would go from, I'm feeling empathy and I love the world to, <laughs> um, to, I actually have to like protect my life or I have to like inflict pain on this other creature. Um, I'm, again, I'm not saying it's impossible. There's probably somebody out there that it's happened to, but, um, Generally speaking, that's not how it works. LSD also, because it's more dispassionate, you would probably just get distracted more than anything else. Like you wouldn't be like, you know, you would get interested in something else. Or if it was, if your trip turned really bad and you were having a horror kind of a situation, you you could turn that around by engaging in some different activities, you know, moving away from the stimulation, uh, going into the water, getting yourself more grounded into a nature situation, some of the folks were having a very good time. <laughs> so they were not in the violence category. <laughs> so, um, yeah. So I, but I think, you know, there are drugs that cause you to, to act more violently or like that typically do that we've seen in like, uh, you know, research and whatever. But I think, I think what you're seeing there is the drug, drugs like psychedelics can remove like a veil. So maybe these people have been building up the veil for a really long time of like, everything's fine. But the actual like, sort of Damocles of scarcity, you know, not having enough food, not having it. I mean, they have enough water, but not having enough food. You know, there's only two, two men on the island. Um, you know, I, I mean, the, the third is a boy. So I don't consider that a situation that I, that even these girls would get themselves into. Um the, and one of them, uh, and one of them is not interested, right? <laughs> so. Yeah, so it's really limiting your options. But I think that's part of it is this scarcity and knowing that, you know, Jackie says it, we could be dead in two weeks. That has got to bring out those more feral emotions in you. And like, I know that there's lots of problems with things that people would bring up here, like, um, you know, the prison experiment or things like that. But there, there is an underlying psychological truth that in times of scarcity, people act out. I think the show that um, I, I would connect with that, that's done an interesting job of exploring that has been The Walking Dead, which is in a lot of ways kind of cheap entertainment. Like there's not a huge amount profound going on, um, you know, a lot of shock value, that sort of thing. But you know, they spend a lot of time on that show exploring what extreme scarcity and extreme precarity does to does to people um, as they sort of navigate through it. And I, I think that connects really well to that same like psychological space that these characters are in. I mean, Lost is the other show that I think has really had a big influence on on what Yellow Jackets has become, and you know that I see connected really closely to it, both for the you know premise of being marooned somewhere, but also um, that sort of boundary breaking down between the, um, you know, material world and, you know, the world of psychology or, you know, sort of um, 
fantasy or whatever you, you know, uh, metaphysical world um, out there. Um, and so I think, but yeah, that, that, that breakdown in, in the psyche that, you know, people's character, when they realize that like, oh yeah, I don't know where my next meal is going to come from and I might die because of that. Um, you know, that, that definitely to me links, links the yellow jackets to the walking dead in a way that I think is kind of interesting. Yeah. I, I, um, one of one of my closest friends and I uh, were just having an exchange, um, and Ryan, right after I'm done saying this, I will, I will, I will get to you. Sorry for um, for the this latest digression, but um, we were we were chatting, and I had recommended to her that you know she check out Station Eleven and Yellow Jackets, and she hasn't gotten back to me about Yellow Jackets yet, but she did say that she found Station Eleven the the idea of the violence. And the scarcity uh, to be something that she didn't care for, and and I I just think that really that's probably just uh, a good option for another episode, maybe about about that. Um, Ryan, you should be able to unmute now. Okay, can you hear me? Can yep. Welcome okay, back. Um, and you guys touched on a lot of what I was going to say, um, but in terms of the the trip and how they were behaving on the trip um i think part like obviously the i really liked when you touched on the idea of the pack mentality because in my limited experience with psychedelics the pack mentality is something that i very much vividly remember experiencing um and also, I think part of what we're doing here is we're sitting here and trying to talk logically about people in an illogical situation, behaving irrationally within situations that kind of push the boundaries of what would you expect someone to rationally do in the situation? And also, at what point do they get pushed to the point where they're just going to stop behaving rationally at all? And also, on top of everything else, I mean, is taking mushrooms going to turn you into a murderous pack of hunter cannibals probably not but is it going to become a riveting hour of television yeah it is <laughs> um yeah no I, I i mean of course we are talking about a tv show that is that is using this as as a plot device uh but um and and i think that it does help to to turn it into a riveting hour of television but um I think I think the pack mentality thing is is interesting. It sounds like you've had some experiences like that as well. Um, do you? I, I I guess the what I would ask you, Ryan, is have you kind of ex- did you find like the idea that they would turn so violent to be as believable, or did you did you think that that was a little off? Oh, I definitely thought that was off. I'm I. I was not trying to be critical of anything that you guys have saying. I agreed with um, what you were saying. And actually earlier when, um, when Karen was talking and she mentioned up, brought up the idea that um, shrooms is a much more emotional experience um, than say LSD. Like that was the exact thought I was having. So no, absolutely not. It would not be something that would turn you, violent but also in the terms of the show you've got a bunch of people in an emotionally charged situation taking a very 
emotional drug. And so it, while I don't think it would ever happen in real life, I'm willing to suspend a certain amount of disbelief in order to engage with the show. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, something that, um, that, that Karen touched on in the beginning that, uh, about alcohol, alcohol and mushrooms, I saw somebody on, on Reddit mentioned that, uh, in their experience, um, and I didn't, I didn't really mix the two, so I don't really have any personal experience on this to, to really like confirm or deny this, but that it, it wouldn't, it wouldn't hit them. So they would drink and it wouldn't hit them. So they would just continue to drink out of, uh, you know, just like socially, but then once the mushrooms would wear off, then all the alcohol that they had drunk with, it would just all hit them at once. Um, that's, that that's not been horrible. My that sounds terrible. Yeah. I mean, uh, I can't, <laughs> it does, it does sound pretty terrible to like have a nice trip, come down and then just be like shit faced. Well, yeah. Well, I, I was always, I never had like a really bad trip, but I always remember when we were experimenting with it in college that people who had taken it a lot would say, if you start having a really bad trip, like have a couple beers to kind of bring yourself down, whether or not that's a appropriate way to handle that. I don't know. I never had that experience, but I, I don't know what the mixture would be like. Um, one thing I did um, just kind of popped in my brain when I was watching it is when Misty is revealed to be having the shrooms, like my first thought was like, what are you thinking is like, what's your strategy here? You're going to make coach trip balls and he's going to be willing to sleep with you. Like that seemed like a flawed plan. I mean, obviously it's a, also like super immoral, but uh, yeah. how also are you with a giant bag of them? Like, <laughs> yeah, it's like, oh, it's like, Oh, he's going to freak out. And then we're going to, and then we're going to get it or off. Throw up like you did last week. Yeah. <laughs> So yeah, I, I just thought that was interesting because, again, in my limited experience, I the last thing on my mind would have been having any sort of romantic encounter. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I don't. I don't know if I would. My experiences have been completely the same on that, but um, I definitely. I think that. I mean, the whole thing with Misty drugging people is like, that's a whole other conversation exactly. because it is, it is completely immoral and it, it's, it's kind of a pretty fucked up like plot point. Um, but yeah, I, I, that's a, I see. Oh no. Um, so yeah, I, I, I don't know. Uh, Karen, what do you, what do you think her plan was? I think that she thought that she could probably drug him into being a little bit amorous toward her. I think that, you know, he, I think in her mind, he was like, Oh yeah, I want to be with you. But I, you know, there's this bureaucratic reason why, <laughs> you know, you have to put yourself in that like 15, 16 year old brain, whatever. And, you know, so I think that she was like, well, I can get his inhibitions down if I do this. And then, you know, it's, you know, prom night, we'll have the alcohol, we'll have the whatever. And it'll be like, oh, well, it happened 
too late. <laughs> um, because, you know, I don't, her sense of morality comes from a different place than our sense of morale, like just a general sense of morality. So I think she's very much about, I mean, I've, I've written about this as, about this before as well. Both of my parents are on the narcissistic personality spectrum. So, um, they, they have different ideas about what is acceptable because if, they're so wonderful and they're so smart, then they should be able to get away with certain things. My parents have never drugged anybody, by the way, but like <laughs> they certainly do think that they're special and that they can get away with certain things that other people can't and that certain rules don't apply to them. So I feel like with her, that's probably where it's coming from. And she did think that she could just be like, well, you know, after it's done, what's he going to say? <laughs> Which, yeah. by the way, not advice for life. No, and and especially like her... Uh, one thing, one thing that I had to like constantly remind myself of when I'm watching this is that like Christina Ricci is an incredibly charismatic and funny actor. Um, the behavior that she is acting is ab- abhorrent. Like it's like horrific, but because it's like it's, the way that she's like selling the role though, you're just kind of like, ah, that's kind of funny though, but it really like, it's, it's, uh, it's pretty disturbing. And if that's kind of where she ends up after, you know, her, her teen life, then I mean, you can only imagine the kind of things that she's going to continue to do. Well, yeah. And you see the relationship that she has with her hostage, right? And she's just kind of like, oh, yeah, like we're checking in and we're having a great day. And we're having a little chitty chat. And she's going to tell me all about her job. It never occurs to her that this person is having her on because they don't want to die. Or whatever, like it's just like no, she like. Yeah, there's a there's there's a disconnect uh, with reality here uh, for sure. Um, so we have a couple more minutes here. Uh, I just kind of wanted to dr- wrap up the the psychedelics conversation, though. You know, within the world of the show and within kind of what we've seen, and and the last thing that I wanted to touch on, and this kind of talks about pack mentality and obviously anecdotal experiences from tripping and but uh much as like like psychedelics as as we've been talking about and again this is my anecdotal experience but can be really really good for rewriting the way that your brain thinks about things and kind of rewriting how you interpret it and encounter the world and another thing that it can do is it can really solidify how you think about certain relationships and and solidify those relationships and and create new ones and kind of change kind of back and forth uh between them and i'm kind of interested in where within the show universe karen you see the split that has now opened up between the group and to kind of splitting it into two groups, you know, with, if, if we're going to continue to take uh, their portrayal of psychedelics seriously, which I think we should, um, it does seem like we now have two groups that are very, very solidly kind of opposed to one another and having something, having a big rift like that happen, while you're under the influence of a psychedelic drug, which is like, you know, has so much with your brain, 
um, can be the kind of thing that can really be lasting. And I'm just curious what you think about that interpretation and also what you think it means for this final episode that's coming out, which uh, I should also say that uh, I read a article in, in New Yorker about this and it said it's going to be even more like ultraviolent this one coming up. So with knowing that, but also like, what do you think that that's like a good interpretation of like where that's at? And also with the way the psychedelics can behave. Yeah, I mean, I think that that's definitely, you can get clarity on things. And like I said, when I was talking about, you know, the, um, the use of it for um, grief is that you can sit there and look at your own grief and be like, I know that's there, but it's not personally affecting me right now. Like it is a painful experience that I had in my past. It's not affecting me right now. So I think when, when you're talking about relationships, you can get that kind of clarity too. And you can be like, I don't actually think that this person is my friend. I don't actually think that this, you know, that I'm getting what I need out of this situation. And I think that's sort of what you were hinting at. Um, And I, you know, it's, so I think, you know, under having that clarity probably is an underlying part of this bifurcation of the group. Where do I think it's going from a plot perspective? I think we'll see who actually can feed themselves and who can't. And I think that like, I think in a lot of people's mind, when they first started watching it, the the progression for them, maybe in their mind was that, you know, this was kind of (laughs) um, like a, a religious kind of thing where like, if we do this, then we will be granted these things. We will be given food. We will be given whatever. And so that's where I think it's probably going. And I think that you can, I mean, I interview people who are survivors of cults for my podcast. So I think that, you know, they always come on and tell me that there's a lot of things that you can justify in the moment because you're not thinking about it in a really long-term thing. And you're also, you're trying to, maintain your position in the group or you're trying to maintain your position with a leader or whatever. So there's things that you let slide because you, um, because you're over, you're overriding that little voice inside of you because you have another motivation that is more critical to you at that point. If that makes sense. No, it, it definitely does. And I, I wish we had another hour to like get into that aspect of it for sure and also the i think i think the grief and trauma aspect and and the cult aspect are are two things that we didn't even touch on obviously which are which are also huge parts of this show um and and it's always fun to use fiction especially enjoyable fiction like this to kind of explore those themes in these conversations so karen uh thank you so much for for joining us really really appreciate you coming on thank you for having me absolutely and where can people find you and find your stuff um so you can find me at the same handle as as this account um on twitter on instagram um you know i um i sometimes write some stuff for various outlets so i usually have that posted on my twitter um, or on my website. Um, I also have a podcast called On Belief, a podcast about uh, cults. And that is where I interview survivors of cults and high um, yeah, high demand groups. So it's not just about cults. It's like, you know, MLMs, you know, coercive relationships, 
um, coercive jobs. We had Jared Holt come on and he talked about a job that he had where it was a very coercive cult-like environment. Um, and, you know, so just to try to get this idea across that just because somebody has an idea that a cult is a bunch of hippies in the mountains of California, um, fucking each other, <laughs> that's not what most cults look like. Most cults look like running groups or yoga studios or, um, you know, multi-level marketing organizations, card clubs, whatever. Um, that's where you find the most, um, coercive groups. And no one is immune to that kind of coercion. Excellent. All right. Well, thank you so much. And thanks, everybody, for listening. Thanks, George and Ryan, for participating. And, um, yeah, we'll see you later this week with episode 12. And then hopefully we're, we're going to do a big uh, Yellow Jags finale episode. So hopefully we'll see you guys all for that. That it should be on uh, Monday the 17th, which is Martin Luther King Day. So, all right. Thanks, guys. Thank you.